Hey guys, this is Anthony Wilson from the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network coming to you with another video. If you can see my screen, you see what I have up on this screen, the gift of tongues. First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verses one through five. We're gonna go through and we are going to dissect um, these first five verses. Um, and then we're going to compare First uh, Corinthians chapter 14 with First Corinthians, uh, with uh, Acts chapter two. Um, and dive into a comparison because there's so much talk about tongues and there's so much misuse of tongues and there's so many people who just don't know um, anything about tongues and there I am going to show you some things today that are going to be very very eye-opening so make sure you like subscribe join the channel um, share this video with someone who really wants to know and understand tongues there's a lot of people that won't take the time to do this type of deep dive. I've been studying this subject for years because, you know, when I received the gift of tongues, um, I, I understood that it was a powerful gift and it has helped me so much in my walk with God. And I wonder why people argue about it. I, I get so confused. I'm like, why are people arguing about this? But I understand in the sense that because of the abuse, because of the way people use the tongues and I've seen videos um, revealing truth does a good job of exposing some of these false tongues. Um, Corey Miner, um, he has debated about tongues and he has a belief about tongues, but I, I hope that this particular um, video will help you really understand even the difficult parts of understanding this gift of tongues. And so remember, like, subscribe, um, join the channel, share this with somebody who wants to know this information. And so I don't know how well you can see my screen, but I will be reading right off of it. This has been, um, you know, weeks of study, uh, actually years of study to narrow this down and to figure out a way to put this in a very simple to follow format. And if anyone wants this document, I can send it to them. I can email it to them. Just put your email in the comment. Um, put your email in the live chat. Uh, this is a, a premiere, so you'll be able to interact with me and talk with me. Um, hopefully, uh, we can have good dialogue. And so let's talk about it. The gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. And what I've done is I've um, added in the actual Greek words directly from Bible Hub, um, Strong's Concordance, uh, spent some time diving into the Thayer's lexicon to understand each word in its particular verse and in its particular context. And, and I will go through that and kind of show you how I look at words um, when I'm studying them uh, to fully understand how to use them and uh, what they mean. And so in verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. Um, and so I unpacked a few of those words uh, to pursue love uh, and desire, zelu, set your heart on spiritual gifts, uh, but especially that you may prophesy, propheteu, uh, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you teach, refute, reprove, admonish, and comfort others. That's what prophesy means here in this particular verse. Now, it's interesting because most people, you know, don't see it that way, but you have to look at the verse and look at how the lexicon 
breaks down the usage of that particular word in that particular verse. And so in this particular verse, this is what it means to prophesy. Um, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, teach. So you can teach prophetically, which means you'll unpack the word and bring revelation. You can refute doctrine that is false. You can reprove, which means to take someone back and show them again to rebuild their faith in the word. You can admonish, which means to train and to correct. You can comfort others, which means to console. And so uh, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue. Now, I want you to understand this. Um, one of the people that uh, uh, really focuses on this a lot is Corey Minor. And Corey Minor focuses on the fact that um, the, the, the letter to the Corinthians was a corrective letter. And I agree with that 100% that he was correcting things. And in correcting things, it wasn't that he was getting rid of things. He was correcting things and showing them how to use the gifts properly so that they bring about what God desires for the body of Christ to be edified and built up and matured and unified and no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And so verse two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mystery. So let's break it down. For he who speaks in a tongue, glace sa, glace sa. Now, I got to click on this word. I made this clickable so that we could go to the word and break this down so that nobody thinks I'm doing anything underhanded. So glace sa, 1100. Glasesa, that's the phonetic spelling, the tongue as an organ or a language. The tongue, a language, a nation, usually distinguished by their speech. 1100 Glasesa, tongue, used of flowing speech, figuratively speaking, inspired by God, like the evidence of of tongue speaking supplied by the Lord in the book of Acts to demonstrate the arrival of the new age of the covenant, i.e. New Testament times. The normative experience of the 120 believers, they received tongues, glasesa, as fire, Acts 2, uh, 3, and miraculously spoke in other actual languages. Now, I want you to make sure that you understand that in Acts chapter 2, they spoke in actual languages, i.e. that they could not speak before, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. This was a, this sign was repeated in um, Acts 10, 46, Acts 19, 6, furnishing ample proof, three attestations that the Lord had incorporated all believers into Christ's mystical body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where we're baptized into the body by one spirit and we're made to drink of one spirit. Now, what you don't see here is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Why? Because you're going to have to go down into the lexicon. The lexicon uh, dives into how these words fit into their particular context. And so we hear we have number one, the tongue, a member of the body the organ of speech. And so this is the actual tongue, right? Because that was one of the definitions here, right? The tongue. 
the actual tongue, right? And in this, we're talking about the actual tongue in the mouth, right? And those tongues, the tongues of every man, of little tongues like fire, symbolizing the gift of the the gift of foreign tongues. So this was a symbol that wasn't actually tongues in the air, right? <laughs> With flames coming out of them, but the, the symbolizing the uh, foreign tongues. You go into the next one, number two, a tongue, i.e. the language used by a particular people in distinction from another nation. Acts 2.11. So that tells you that that tongues in Acts chapter 2 was the tongues that were for those languages, that they spoke in actual languages that people could understand because they were languages from uh, the, the nations that gathered. Okay. Now we're going to scroll down. We're going to keep looking. And so First uh, Corinthians 14, 14, to speak with or in a tongue, the organ of speech, to speak with tongues. This, as appears in First Corinthians 14, 7, uh, is the gift of men who wrapped in ecstasy and no longer quite masters of their own uh, conscious reason, a reason, region, reason of consciousness, uh, yeah, reason and consciousness pour forth their glowing spiritual emotions in strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, quite unfitting to instruct or influence the minds of others. Let me read that again. This gift of tongues is the gift of men who wrapped in ecstasy and no longer quite masters of their own reason and conscience pour forth their glowing spiritual emotions in strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, and quite unfitted to instruct or influence the minds of others. Now look, here's a semicolon, there's a colon, right? Here are the verses that this particular uh, interpretation of tongues, this is the, the, the context of this type of tongues. Acts chapter 10, verse 46, this is Cornelius and his family. Acts chapter 19, this is when Paul found the disciples who had not received the baptism of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30, this is where he asked, do all speak with tongues? Do all speak wrapped in ecstasy, no longer quite masters of their own reason and consciousness, pouring forth their glowing emotions and strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, quite unfitted to instruct or influence the minds of others? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, where he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, this is the kind of tongue. And there we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, 4 through 6, 13, 18, 23, 27, and 39. This is the uh, definition of this tongue in its context, which is different from the known languages that were spoken in Acts chapter 2. And we'll go into that deeper uh, in a little bit. And so, no wonder no one understands him. <laughs> that makes sense that nobody understands him because if he's wrapped in ecstasy, no longer quite masters of his own region or consciousness, pouring forth their glowing spiritual emotions and strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, quite unfitted to instruct or influence the minds of others. He doesn't speak to men, but he speaks to God for no one understands him. No one perceives the sense of what he's saying. They can't perceive it. 
However, in the spirit, he speaks mysterion, hidden or secret things, not obvious to the understanding. Now, that makes sense that no one understands him because he's wrapped in ecstasy, no longer quite masters of his own reason or consciousness, pouring forth glowing spiritual emotions and strange utterances. Now, I want to stop here and talk about this strange utterances. Strange utterances is not some of the stuff that we've heard. Just blah, 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 right? But someone with the gift of tongues can tell the difference between a false or fake tongue and an actual tongue. But because we have had, you know, people... Uh, who just push tongues and want to make people speak in tongues. We have a lot of chaos and confusion around this gift, and it's not actually doing what it's supposed to do for the individual. It's actually just people just trying to do something. And then, because I've heard testimony after testimony that people fake their tongue just so they get left alone because people are trying to make them speak in tongues. You Just say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, till they speak in tongues. That's not speaking in tongues because this is a gift from God. So you can't make somebody speak in tongues. You can't force somebody to speak in tongues. Every time you saw the gift of tongues, it was poured out. It was poured out. So it was something that you receive. It's not something that you bring out of yourself. It's not in you. It's something that God gives to you when um, when you need it or when he does, when he feels that it's important for you to have it. Because all don't speak in tongues and all don't have to speak in tongues. Now, you should desire spiritual gifts, but he said the one that you should desire the most is that you may prophesy because that's of the most benefit to those around you. But the gift of tongues, let's look at verse three. But he who prophesies, propheteu, uh, to break forth under sudden impulse in lofty discourse or in praise of divine counsel, speaks edification or kadome what contributes to edification or augments wisdom etc and exhortation paracleus to exhort admonish encourage and comfort paramithia calming or consoling of men verse 4 he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself right this is orkadomio see orkadome here oikadomio right? To promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, and blessedness. Let's take a look at it because I can already tell somebody's like, what? So again, let me show you how to use the Strong's. Orchidomio, to build a house. That's the definition of edify. The usage is to erect a building, to build figuratively of a building up of character, i.e. build up, edify, encourage, right? Orchidomio, a house is oikos, and domio to build, build a house, a home, an edifice, figuratively to edify, build someone up, helping them to stand and be strong and sturdy. Now, one of the things that Corey Miner says is that no one should be building themselves up. No one should be oikodomio of themselves. Well, that doesn't, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to build yourself up, help yourself to stand and be strong and sturdy, right? Let's go deeper. Let's take a look 
through uh, these and see well, which one of these is the one that we're looking at in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay. And so we have quite a few of them. Here's 1 Corinthians 14, 7 or 14, 17, right? Uh, and it's talking about passively to grow in wisdom and piety, to promote Christian growth, wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness. Paul uses this throughout 1 Corinthians 8, 10, 1 Thessalonians 5, passively to grow in piety. Acts chapter uh, 9, verse 31, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 7, or verse 17, sorry, verse 17. This is how Paul uses this in his letters. That's how he uses it. You go up here, there is nothing negative about this. You know, Corey Biner says, well, you don't build yourself up. That's wrong. Why would that be wrong? Why wouldn't you want to build yourself up to be strong and sturdy, to stand, to grow in your Christian uh, knowledge and wisdom, right? Affection towards the Lord, grace, virtue, holiness, blessedness, right? To passively grow in the wisdom and piety, right? To build up. That's what this means, orchidomio, to build up. Okay, let's go back. And so he who speaks in a tongue builds himself or edifies himself. But he who prophesies, edifies, does the same thing for the church, the assembly of Christians gathered together for worship in the religious meeting. meeting. This is why he says it's greater especially when it comes down to the church. There's no point in speaking in tongues in the middle of the church if there's no interpreter because nobody else is being edified. But for you, in your personal time, in your personal worship, this is a valuable, a valuable uh, part of your worship. You will be able to pray a lot longer in tongues than you would be in, in, in English. You can worship a lot longer in tongues than you would be in, in, in your understanding. And so you end up building yourself up. You, you end up uh, raising your levels. And it's a spiritual thing. It's spiritually building you up. Verse five, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, if he's telling them that this is negative, then why would he say, I wish that you all spoke with tongues? Now, some would say, well, yeah, he's he's being sarcastic. He's being facetious. He doesn't actually want them all to speak with tongues i don't i don't think that that's what this is saying he says i wish i desire to wish i could wish you all spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesy even more that you speak for the message of god for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in with with a tongue unless so here's the thing if we're talking about in the congregation Prophecy is much better than tongues. Tongues really doesn't have value in the congregation unless you can interpret it. 1329, dear to unfold the meaning of what is said, explain, expound that the church may receive edification. 
Now you notice it doesn't say interpret, which is one of the ways that this word is used. Let's click on it. Let's take a look at it. This word can be used for interpret. Dear maned yo, dear ermanio, to explain thoroughly by implication to translate, I translate, interpret, explain, right? And so uh, dear manio, thoroughly across to other side, which intensifies hermeneo, which is where we get our term hermeneutics, right? It's from hermeneo, to interpret properly, thoroughly interpret, accurately, fully explain, right? So uh, as we look down here, to unfold the meaning of what is said, explain, expound, right? What are the verses here? Luke 24, 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 30, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, verse 13, and verse 27. Now, here's translate. It's not using the term translate here, right? Translate into one's native language. Translate is different than unfold the meaning of what is said or explain or expound because you may not know word for word what is being said, but you can unfold the meaning of what is being said. You can say what's happening here. What's going on here? Oh, this is worship. Oh, what's going on in here? This person is praying from their spirit. What's going on here? Oh, there's a message of God being brought forth. Let's unpack that. Let's explain what's going on. You know, I always thought that the gift of tongues meant that you were going to be, you know, always uh, um, expressing what's said. But sometimes it's not expressing what's said. It's expressing what's happening. Now, you do need to interpret or to make known what the words are if if there's a message coming forth if there is a tongue that needs to be spoken out otherwise we know what we're supposed to do we're supposed to keep quiet and speak to ourselves and god because um we're building ourselves up we're, we're building ourselves up we're orchidomie orchidomio it's building ourselves up okay let's compare Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, on the day of Pentecost, uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, Oranios. And I, and, I, and I put that word there because this heaven is the abode to which Christ ascended after the resurrection. So it's interesting because he said he would send the Holy Spirit, right? And so the 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 the, the spirit the, the spiritual sound that they heard was coming from the place where Jesus went and ascended, as of a rushing rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them, then was allowed to be seen, and distributed. That's what. Divided means, it actually means to distribute tongues, glossesa, as of fire, and miraculously spoke in other lang actual languages. Again, Acts chapter 2 is actual languages, i.e. that could not spoke before, speak before, Acts 2, 4, as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the reason to believe that Acts chapter 2 um, is earthly languages is because of verse 6, 
And when the sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They actually heard him speak in his own language, which was the purpose of tongues on that day was to proclaim the praises of God to the nations, to those who came from far and wide. If you read Acts chapter two, you can read that for yourself. People came from all over. And so when they came out speaking in tongues, they were speaking, uh, speaking the wonderful uh, praises of God to all peoples. And so his own language which makes them different from 1 Corinthians 14, these tongues no one understands without the Holy Spirit interpretation. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So without interpret interpreting, and this is not translating, and no one there could know the language because he's wrapped in ecstasy, pouring forth his glowing emotions, <laughs> unfitted for teaching or influencing. These are mysteries being spoken in the spirit. We'll go down here to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the same one. I showed it to you. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, agape, love for men, especially of the love of Christians toward Christians, which enjoying and prompted by their religion, whether love being viewed as the soul or as expressed, have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Yes, you are making a whole lot of noise and you are saying nothing. If you are speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, but you're not interpreting them. You're not sharing with people what's being said. It means nothing. You're just making a lot of noise. It's wonderful, but it's it's, it's making a lot of noise. Let's scroll down here. How to use the gift of tongues? Because this is really what it boils down to. Because here's where the era is, is in how people use the gift of tongues. Use the gift of tongues to speak directly to God, the mysteries of the spirit. Now, people will say, well, why do I need to speak mysteries in spirit? Because sometimes you, you don't have the ability to speak some of these things. You don't have the understanding of what uh, what God is communicating between, between you and what you're communicating between God. There is a need for you to go deeper beyond what your mind can come up with. That's the power of tongues is that you can go beyond the limits of your mind and be able to speak to God. And so, so he says, for he who speaks in a tongue, wrapped in ecstasy, no longer quite masters their own reason, conscious, pouring forth their glowing spiritual emotions and strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, quite unfitted to instruct and influence the minds of others, does not speak to men, but to God, for he, un, he no one understands him. And, and this says no one understands him. No one. No one perceives the sense of what he said. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. They did not speak mysteries in Acts chapter two. There was no mystery. It was clear what they were saying. There was no mysteries. There's no hidden things or secret things that were not obvious to the understanding. That was not happening in Acts chapter two. This is different. Use the gift of tongues to promote spiritual growth. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies, orchidomie, 
or Kodomio, sorry, himself promotes Christian growth, wisdom, affection, grace, virtues, holiness, blessedness in himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church, right? And so how do you use this gift? You use it to build yourself up so that you can then do the work of the Lord so you can keep pressing forward, so you can grow in your wisdom, grow in your affection for God and others, grow in the grace of God, the virtues. The Bible says, add to your faith, virtue, holiness, this blessedness is satisfaction in your relationship with Christ. Those who have the gift of tongues, you know, man, you could stay there forever, one-on-one -on -one with God, just speaking to him for hours. Number three, pray for interpretation so that the church can grow spiritually as well. You don't want to just speak in your tongue just for yourself. You want to be able to share the wisdom and the things that God is giving you for the rest of the body. Use the gift of tongues, number four, in your private prayer and worship time. Don't only pray in tongues, but worship in tongues. First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 13 through 17, 17. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. We know you need to interpret. If I pray, this means, and this word prayer, you know, I did a whole video on prayer. Go check that out. Interacting with the Lord by switching human wishes and ideas for the wishes as he imparts divine faith. You get, you start speaking in a tongue, you start praying in a tongue, and God begins to persuade your heart deeper and deeper of his will, of his desire. Mm -hmm. He says, my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't understand according to my mind, but my spirit knows exactly what's going on. And God is building me up and he's answering prayers. He's actually directing those prayers so that my prayers are, I'm receiving what it is that he wants. I'm being divinely persuaded by him of his will. Verse 15, he says, what, he says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. That means the part of me that is unfruitful, I will pray with that. And also I will pray with my understanding, the part of me that understands my mind. I will sing, the part of me that doesn't understand, I will sing with the spirit. And I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? The uninformed, 2399, idiotes. A Christian who is, who is not a prophet or destitute of the gift of tongues. They are not a prophet or they do not have the gift of tongues. That's what he means by uninformed. Literally ungifted in these areas. Now I know that's brand new because a lot of people have never even looked up this word, idiotes, right? Let's click on it. Let's go to Bible Hub and look at what it says. Iteotes, a private or a unskilled person, unofficially, hence an amateur, an unprofessional man, a layman. Here it is. This is the this is the interpretation that we're going to look at. An ungifted person. Okay. Now let's go down and look into our Thayer Strongs. And what does it say? A Christian who is not a prophet, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. Christian who's not a prophet, 
destitute of the gift of tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16, and verse 23. So they're either not a prophet or they don't have the gift of tongues. That's the person who is uninformed or an ungifted person in that area. And so they don't know because they don't have that gift, so they can't relate. Are you with me? He says, how will they say amen of, at your giving thanks since they do not understand what you say? Because they don't have the gift. They can't interpret. They can't understand. They're not a prophet. They don't know what you're doing. For indeed, you give thanks well. He actually says you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Those individuals are not edified. Those who do not have the gift of tongues are not edified. Finally, use the gift of tongues wisely with accountability in the gathering. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27 through 28. If anyone speaks with a tongue, uh, let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the Christian assembly, the gathering for worship, and let him speak to himself and to God. I was in a meeting um, just a few weeks ago, a prayer meeting. And um, I come in and uh, people are praying. And then all of a sudden you hear everyone speaking in tongues. And yes, um, I have, uh, God has allowed me and graced me to be able to interpret tongues. I can even tell the different kinds. I can tell the worship. I can tell prayer. I can tell when there's a message to be spoken forth. And all this is going on in this room. And somehow I got the microphone. And when I got the microphone, I spoke to the room and I said, here's why it's so difficult when everybody speaks in tongues, that it's no different than when you're speaking English and everybody's talking at the same time. Think about going into a room where everybody is talking at the same time. How do you fix in on who you're listening to when everybody's talking at the same time. It's the same thing in the gift of tongues, especially when people are talking loud. There's no way that you can make sense of all that's going on. But I began to share with the pastor his tongues. I began to share the interpretation and explain and expound on his tongue. And the room went silent because nobody does that. Nobody does that because no one follows the scriptures and does what it says. We're not supposed to be just speaking randomly loud and off base and or trying to make people speak in tongues or force it upon people. That's not that's not the way it looks. It's a gift. And if it's a gift and you don't force it on people, you don't teach people to do it. It's something that they receive from God. Now, the gift of tongues from this time, from way before me is argued and, and fought over and debated about, and it will be argued and debated about long after me. But I pray that someone sees this video and that this helps you to understand how the Bible teaches the gift of tongues. Now, please uh, put your comments, your questions, you know, anything you want to ask, because I'm just going to go back to the verses and I'm, I'm going to answer them because I don't have any special answers. It's all in the word. That's all we got to do is trust the word of God and let it speak for us. Take away our bias. Take away our preference. Take away all these things that, that we've introduced into the text that's not there. 
and just let the let the passage speak for itself. And God has a lot to give us. And this gift of tongues could benefit you a lot if it's something that you're blessed to have. If you don't have it, you're no less blessed because you probably have other gifts that are just as important to your walk. But for those of us that have the gift of tongues, it, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. It has strengthened us and encouraged us and built us up and brought us into deeper sanctification and holiness because that's what it's for. And when we've been allowed to interpret, I've actually interpreted on many occasions. I've been able to tell people what, what's coming out, even what type of tongue it is. Most of the time, people are worshiping in tongues. They they're not even they're not even praying, or they don't even they're not even giving a message. It's just worship. And a lot of times, when they figure out it's just worship, they can just begin to 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 acknowledge that it's just worship. It's just worship in tongues. And so I pray that this blesses you. Uh, subscribe, like. Uh, Definitely uh, reach out to me with your questions or comments. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.